Matt, we're back. This was the uh, iPhone week. And if there's something we're experts on, it's consumer electronics. We cover yes. Roblox. We cover Fortnite. We are the definitive uh, iPhone podcast. You know, people come to us for this breaking consumer news. They, they now, want my hot takes. I have not played the Fortnite that came out like six weeks ago. <laughs> Matt, I don't know how we're going to... I don't know how we're going to maintain our number one Fortnite ranking, but but nonetheless, it's not it's I'm not the week Minecraft, for Fortnite. I'm, I'm back to yell about Minecraft. That's fine. It's that this is not the gaming uh, segment we're going to start off today. This is this okay. is what the world wants to know. For first, what is your current mobile phone that you're carrying? Uh, what, what do you my got there? Current is a Sony Xperia Compact something. All right, Matt, never heard of that. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You have long said. In previous podcasts, you like a small mobile phone. That is a key requirement, as longtime listeners will know. So I actually took it upon myself. I emailed Apple a while back. I said, my friend Matt needs a small iPhone. And they delivered. They delivered on the they iPhone did. 12 I, mini. I'd already told my kids I was excited about the SE. I tried to get my daughter to SE's get one. SE's dead. SE's dead. It's I, now mini. It's yeah. iPhone 12 mini. So the world wants to know. But SE's not dead. They dropped the price 100 bucks. I think that's he's dead. We're just talking iPhone 12 mini. Oh, oh. My question is, <laughs> are you going to give the iPhone 12 mini a shot? Is it, I mean, because it is, I, first of all, I guess, is it small enough? That seems to always be the issue. Every time yes. they even, the smaller phone is not small enough. So it, is it small enough? It, it is small enough. Okay. I, I approve. I approve of its smallness. Okay. The size meets the requirements. Okay. What else is left then? Are you, is it too expensive? Because we know you don't like to spend money on anything. Price. What? Yeah, I mean, it, it is pretty pricey. Uh, mm-hmm. When they dropped the price of the SE, I was like, ooh, that's nice. You know, and then they came out with the Mini 12, and I was like, that's also nice. And so uh, I read a, a, a comparison of them, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they put the, the Mini on top of the, the, uh, the, the SE, and, you know, it's, but it's a $300 price difference. You know, so it's, Three ninety nine for the SE and seven ninety six ninety nine for the Mini, something like that. Anyway, it's significantly better. I mean, better processor, faster speeds. You can get yeah, all, you yeah, get all yeah. the goodness, the better yeah, camera, sure. better get, cameras. Yeah. You know, yeah. The uh, um, what they call it? The harder they called it, like ceramic, uh, super gorilla glass or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the super gorilla glass. I mean, I mean, come on, man, you got to get in. This has got to be it. I mean, if, if Apple doesn't get you this time. You know, or maybe you'll buy. Will you buy the iPhone 12 Mini in three years when it's actually three ninety nine? <laughs> so three years from no, now, no, will you no, be no. like, oh, it's a good deal? I, I, I'm not that caught up on the price. You know, um, it's mostly like my f- current phone's fine. You know, I'm still getting uh, it. It's no longer getting the mainline Android updates. So I guess at some point it probably has security issues. I don't know. Uh, Listen to uh, you. You're a specialist in compliance. Look at that, man. This is the the cobbler's son has no shoes kind of moment. It's like I wouldn't. Why would I keep my operating system up to date? It's good. I just I'm just gonna let it roll. You know what? What could go wrong? But but half of half of you know having a secure device is not doing dumb things with it. True. Right. And so my threat profile's really low because I don't install anything on my phone. I've got like a web browser and, you know, two screens of apps and, you know, there's not a ton of stuff on there. Um, I'm already pretty paranoid about what I put on there and what I use and stuff like that. It's mostly messaging and 
<clears throat> that all gets updated all the time. Um, but we did take like a family vacation about two weeks ago and the phone the GPS starts dying after a while. So that might be the trigger. Like, mm. you know, not having a GPS when you're driving around in the outback, difficult. you know, that, that can be difficult. You know, it just kind of forgets. And then, you, you know, you look at your phone and it's like, I don't know where I am. I'm dead. And you reboot it and then it wakes, it, it's okay again. So that might be the trigger. And so then it'll come down to, do I get an SE? Do I get the mini 12? I don't use most of the features. You know, my, my, what like about said, the children? Will the children be pushing for the new devices or are they, have you trained them like yourself where it's like, Hey, three years ago, it's just like, it's like brand new. Well, my, my, <laughs> my daughter who goes through phones at a rapid clip, uh, one every nine months is what we're currently <laughs> at. Because I assume she because just, they're broken, right? Cause yeah. Oh yeah. Right? So you she know, needs this new gorilla glass that. thing. Yeah. Well, she got, she just got a 10 something or other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I bought the extended warranty. Uh, she was like, "Oh, I don't need it. I got this case." I was like, "No, you're getting it. No. You know, n- 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 I don't buy extended warranties for my wife and I. You know, we yeah. we're fine." No, this is a dad ops moment, and you're like, "You're getting yeah, extended yeah, warranty." Totally dad ops. But uh, she she's got like the right level of paranoia. She's like, "I don't trust the face stuff." So she turned off all that stuff. She's like, "I don't want oh, no face like, ID." Oh, why did you buy a fancy ten if you're not using the fancy features? That's what I don't get. But whatever. You know, she, we got to go she, over with her face ID. It's all local to the phone. I think she'd be totally I, fine. I, Secure I, enclave. We could do a whole session I, with her. I, I've explained this. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think I might've poisoned the well with my kids on paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, it's not like so, it's run by Facebook. If you were like, it, Hey, it's Facebook authentication. We could be like a little worried, but this face oh, yeah, ID yeah, is yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but what's funny is like, you know, she turned up her nose at the SE buys herself the fancier phone, you know, or out of her own pocket uh, mm -hmm. and then doesn't use the fancy features. So, all right. Well, the other thing, and she keeps her screen broken old phone around because it's got all of her podcasts on it or all of her audiobooks on it. It's like, you can put those on the new one. She's like, yeah, you know, so she, she literally goes around the house with two broken, with a broken. This is is where like, I I don't know. Every parent learns this. It's better just to not give advice. You're like, whatever. If it works for you, just do do your thing. Like learn on your own. Like (laughs) that's your parenting advice for the episode. Whatever. It kind of is. As long as they're not really hurting anyone, if they want to learn the harder way, I, that's what I've learned. That is my learning is like, it is better to let children learn the harder way. As long as it's not dangerous. It's like, yeah, just try it. Like I did the same thing. I used to try to like, you know, give my kid, I think this is the stupid thing as a parent. Like you try to give them an overview of something. You're like, Hey, let me explain all this stuff to you because that way you won't have to like make all the mistakes I did, but no, it's actually much better to just let them make the mistakes. So Again, as long as there's nothing dangerous, I'm not saying let them run off a cliff, but it's like, yeah, just just go go play around with the computer. Just do whatever you I, want. I'll help you fix I it later. Did, I, I did have a, a very proud computer moment the other day. I, I, so, you know, listeners may recall I got that uh, coding coding the classics book about you know classic video yep. games and, I have and that writing here. them in Python. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so I started going through it with with my ten year old, and you know, I set up Python. Uh, on his his laptop got uh, visual studio code on there and then i went to github and downloaded the code and he got mad at me he was like i was gonna type that all in (laughs) and and so i was like okay okay we'll 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 do it your way and now we're like you know i don't know 130 lines into it and he's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah because first of all I'm not a day-to-day Pythonist. So I'm trying to explain like, 
the actor model and pie game to somebody whose background is scratch. And so mm -hmm. now I'm kind of on the market for like a kid friendly Python intro book. Um, so if, if listeners have any advice on that, uh, I mean, code, the classics was fun. We, we, we played around with it, but it got really advanced really fast. You know, I'm like teaching him. Well, first I have to teach him, you know, the Pythagorean theorem because he hasn't gotten to that yet in school. Right. And then it's like, now I have to teach you about. First, let's learn Python. geometry. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then we have to teach you some Python library management and, you know, why you're importing sys you know, system and bringing in random. And it's like, you know, we jumped into the deep end. Um, but you know what's funny? There is a nice market here between, I'm going to call it the tween market, between Scratch and like yeah. coding the classics. There's like, I'm the, I have the same, um, you know, son's also 10. And it's kind of the same area where it's like, things are either too easy or it's like, just what you said, they have to know too much. And it's like, there needs to be, and I, maybe it's just like, it's a short period, like, these kids will go on to middle school pretty quick and they'll pick up this math and they'll like, so maybe it's just a short period. So there isn't like a big market, but it's like, you want it to be a little bit more advanced. Cause I gave them some stuff that was like, Hey, why don't we just do some, like some simple coding exercises, but they're just texts. Like, you know, we're not trying to do UI stuff, but then it's kind of boring. Yeah. It looks like school, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's like, Oh, it's like, this is kind of boring. So, well, so and, and we need like a tween book. Yeah. And I'm having to explain shell commands as I go through it. And like, he's like, what is LS? You know, what is, you know, that's your will. I didn't though. even, you're probably, are you just going on and on about this? Man, you're probably like, pulling oh, up yeah, the source yeah. code. you're like, and, well, and, let me, let me tell you the history of uh, Unix and the LS command. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you know, the other day he's like, why don't you like windows? <laughs> and I was like, let me get started. He's like, well, then why do you like Mac OS? It's like, well, it's closer to being able to see the internals, you know, and, and if, if, uh, if we were streaming the video behind my shoulder, I've got a new computer that uh, we're building here and uh, we'll probably talk about that after all the pieces get here. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm building a computer and he's you know following along and I've been, I've invited, you know, my 13 year old and my 16 year old, you know, Hey, let's all go build this computer together. I'll explain what we're doing. And they've mostly turned up their nose, but the, the youngest is like, yeah, I want still to learn it. Yeah, Man. yeah. And, and the other day, super proud parent moment, he goes, Dad, can I have one of those Raspberry Pis? <laughs> mm, nice. And I was like, you, you better believe you can. Well, that's the other learning. <laughs> that's the other parent advice. It's like you just surround your kids with the technology and eventually they get interested in it. But like the time that you actually get it is often not the time they actually want it. It's like that's what I've also learned. It's like sometimes we'll have stuff for a while. And I just have completely given up on it. And then like, and then I'll be like, oh, suddenly like I'm really interested in this thing. So that's yeah. another thing. It's like, oh, I just have to be more patient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, you know, there's a comment in, in, in the, uh, the, the Twitch from, from Mr. Chippy about PowerPoint. This is the same son who uh, in second grade figured out how to give email to the entire school. Um, because yeah, nothing they were only respect. Getting... We covered that before. <laughs> and the whole, uh... Well, I got to say he, the kids, it's Google Slides. about PowerPoint though. He, oh, Oh, he hates Google Slides. Like Google Slides versus Office 365 versus PowerPoint. He's actually taking the time. When he was in kindergarten, he used to play with with spreadsheets. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I, he's all wow. This he's he's gonna be. All he, right. He's his father's son. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. The kids. <laughs> I mean, especially with all this online learning, they've all gotten into like pretty pretty good at like the Google Slides and everything, and helping everyone with Zoom. So. Yeah. Well, the other yeah. thing I wanted your take on, I, I, as much as I, I love all the iPhones, of course, and I always want a new one, but I was well, going to, what are you on? What do you, I was going to say, I actually have a relatively old one, at least by my own standards. I have the iPhone 10. So this is a few years old, right? So I was like, well, maybe this is the one to get on, 
But I will say, you know, um, I felt like I watched the whole event because I like to watch the presentations for lots of reasons. But I was like, this iPhone camera and the iPhone camera, the iPhone Pro camera are so beyond my photographer capabilities. It's it's like insane. Like they went on with like more lenses and f-stop and all of these things. Like, I mean, I really have no idea. Like sometimes I'll hit by accident the options and when you're taking a photo and you're like, like it's a full on camera UI, you can do all of these things. And I'm like, never have used any of these things. That, that is the most practical use of AI is like sort this shit out for me. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's kind of all I really know. It's like, I don't know. Uh, so I think the night mode and stuff looks cool, but it's sometimes when they're talking about like what it is, I'm like, I just, I don't even know. Like I So, you know, I guess uh, to do a little strategy talk is like the, the strategist like to talk about, it's like, you know, I guess we're at the top of the S curve. You know, it's like every incremental change now is like so far beyond what I need in a camera. It yeah. just does not matter. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with the camera next. They'll probably add a fourth lens and all this Infrared. AR stuff and the LIDAR was really interesting. It's like, <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that's great. I have no idea. I mean, somebody will like, that's a great one. It's like right now we could think of what the, the super awesome app for the LIDAR, this augmented reality thing. Like if you, whoever yeah. cracks that open, will make billions of dollars. But like, as I look at it, I'm like, cause it's always the same demos, like putting furniture in your room or some very complicated AR game that no one will ever actually play. Right. So it's like, we know for a fact, these are not the, this is not what it's going to be used for. And then it'll be like the TikTok of five years from now. We'll be like, Oh, that's why, that's why you needed that. So um, so yeah. I, kudos to them for, for correct. But even for the once I was like, well, I always just get the best iPhone because like, why not only live once? But that, but my final thought was just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this camera. Like, I, I guess I'll probably end up getting it, but I will never use any of these camera features. You're going to strap it to the front of your car. So it's self-driving. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be, that would be the at home <laughs> after car, your air plow, your air well, car play rather. It'd be the car play after kit for self-driving. Exactly. You just plug it in to a USB Right. Because as we just uh, learned on the show, the pre-show, USB never goes out. Like my camera just wouldn't work. Had to reboot the whole thing. Can you imagine like having a USB cable in between a self-driving car and your phone? It's got like one like, of those like aftermarket Chinese oh my gosh, phone grips awesome. on, on the hood. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it'd be fantastic. It would just be. And then it'd be like, everyone would be like, no, the, the AI was perfect. It's just the USB cable. I don't know. It just stopped working. Nobody knows yeah. why. The yeah. USB hub, it just stopped working. It's like. Is that held on with zip ties? <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Uh, so, all right. So, well, the world will wait. We wait again to see if Matt Ray ad- adopts you, you will the, probably upgrade before me. Uh, likely. So next, all right. So to close out our consumer, you know, computer corner yes. with Matt, we, we didn't really make any progress on the iPhone uh, 12 mini. We'll see. But don't worry. Tune in next week when uh, maybe we'll actually have the streaming set up so we see the video. Well, we can see Matt put together... What's what's in the? Is that your uh, GPU next to it? Is that the thing? No. What <laughs> what do you got next to it? Supply. Oh, so far, so, so so you got like nothing. You have nothing there. You have a case and a power supply. You have nothing behind you. I have a very well researched case and power supply. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, tune in and, next week where we go into uh, Matt reviews uh, GPUs and we go like so far into Nvidia as. Uh, so catalog that like even we don't know we're like this is um this is liquid cooled whatever you get needs to be liquid cooled that's that's oh, the only thing that matters it's all ordered now it's just up to Ospost to get things here right. you know my every day my son's like is it here yet 
Is it here yet? All right, don't ruin it for us, no. Matt. No one's going to listen okay. next week. So next week when we when Matt reveals. All when, will be real. Maybe, maybe I need to just set up the camera and like record yeah. as I assemble it. No. Stream it, my friend. Stream <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. The, Matt, this will be our maybe first video. Yes, Matt no. builds a computer. <laughs> Tune in next week. Ugh. Yeah. All right, Matt. So there was a little bit of uh, other tech some news. Some real news. Some, real news, <laughs> some, some real important news. news. So let's, uh, let's start off with our friends at HashiCorp. Couple uh, uh, announcements this week. First, big, big, big announcements. Two new products. Two. This is true. So we'll start off with Boundary, which I haven't. I just like the name because I worked at a company called Boundary. We didn't do that well, but it reminds me when I saw the logo. Maybe, I was like, oh, this reminds they, me of Boundary. Maybe they got the the URL on the cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. VMC bottom. I don't. You know what? During the show, I will check to see where it goes. Yes. It, it probably well, will make will me sad. Where, where the boundary URL goes, but oh, oh, uh, it probably goes to BMC Performance Manager for Boundary. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> probably, probably does. Uh, but a quick, a quick thing here on Boundary. So you know, of course, it, I like it because of the name, and then of course, it's uh, the little tagline here is access any system from anywhere based on user yeah. identity. So you know, I like to use it that, the the right. um, the identity management. Yeah. So the question I have for you, though, Matt, is. Do you think <laughs> developers, right? Because this is the whole thing. It's getting in the way of developers who are like, I'm fine. With, like, we know the development community is not scared of keys and SSH and stuff like that, right? Like, this is the group of people who are like, I'm fine. I know what I'm doing. I don't care what you people are doing. I'll get my SSH key set up. I'll get my uh, shell just the way I want. Please do not get in my way. So my question, yeah. I want you to represent all developers. What can go wrong with that statement? Uh do you think developers are going to be okay authenticating through uh, their third party? So in this case, the, it looks like the providers are Okta or Okta, Ping, Azure, you know, which is really Active Directory because in the end, everything is Active Directory. GitHub, which is, of course, Active Directory. It's another version of Active Directory because everything is Active yeah, yeah. Directory in AWS. So when this gets rolled out yeah. and the developers like, this is the way you're going to do it. Is there going to be a massive result, uh, a revolt, and they're just going to be like, "I'm not doing it this way. I don't care. I, I, I want, I want the old way." The 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 only developers who are going to complain about it are the ones who would be using it today. Uh, and one of the one of the very numerous Slack channels I was in, there was commentary about the uh, maturity of point releases of HashiCorp products, and somebody said. Check back with me in 15 releases. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired. What is this? So uh, release, shots fired. Uh... Shots fired. But the people who would be complaining about it are the people who would be using it at this stage. Okay. Um, I, I'm a big believer in this product, or at least in the the potential of, of, of the product. Um, because what, what, what Boundary is, is my understanding, you know, all sorts of caveats of, you know, I read some stuff yesterday and watched a video, um, is... It is a system for managing access to remote systems. So you might say like, oh, well, normally you'd set up a Bastion node that you SSH into that box and then you jump box into your other box. And they're saying, yeah, that's kind of a bad idea. Who's managing those SSH credentials and all that stuff? What if we put a service in place that, you know, you can say, uh, Brandon is allowed uh, SSH access to that machine um, and he doesn't need to know where that machine is. He just needs to be branded and, you know, it, it'll handle the plumbing to get you through the firewall into that box. Um, and it's not just SSH. It's also 
this is where it starts to get into the, like the service mesh kind of space is like, oh, this authenticated user can talk to this port um, over this protocol, or at least that's what I would like for it to be. I don't know if it's that far along yet, but you're starting to get into that access controls for network access, um, you know, and right now the, the constant struggle of anybody who works with enterprises is, you know, they're like, oh, it's blocked at the firewall. You know, you can't get in, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, and, you know, so they'll go and they'll get a jump box that has a, a hole poked in the firewall. So, you know, you can get through and, you know, they'll say, oh, it can only go to this host and only, you know, this port. And it's like, this is going to programmatically provide that for you, I guess. And it's open source. Um, like other Hashi products where, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, uh, a hosted version and some commercial extensions and, you know, maybe the AD integration is commercial. Who knows, right? They're still doing the, the open core. Um, Listen, but, if the uh, AD is in the paid product. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's it. We're done. We're done with this boundary product. Because I do think going through their core features here, right? So authenticate, right? So trusted identity provider, I named them already. Of course, enterprise Anyone that's enterprise security loves that, right? So then we just got yep. one set of users. I don't have a bunch of developers out there with SSH keys I don't know about and things like that. So, of course, like it. Then we got the old uh, authorized access based on logical roles and services. Again, administrators absolutely love this. And yep. uh, so it's great. You can just put them in the right role. I just clone, you know, a little Matt Ray role. I make, I just like, oh, I just know what I need to do here. Can do some... Uh, Limited access, you know, privileged users based on least privilege. Love it, right? That again, yep. I think administrators love that. And then, of course, uh, access, which is really, I've, I read this more of like privilege access, right? So it's yeah, automate yeah. credential injection. That's a, I think that's a poor choice of words for like a, just because it's like a security product. Is, I don't know, injection has like a bad thing, but, but whatever. Automate credential injection to securely access services and hosts with HashiCorp Vault, right? So it's like, that's great too, because that's why, yeah. okay, we want to do privilege access. So all of this stuff speaks to the enterprise um, IT manager or security person, which of course- You're not, you're think, not saying developer. I'm not saying, <laughs> that's what worries me about this, right? But and that, also, that doesn't matter, right? In, in the enterprise context and, and, and this bank that's got you know 5,000 developers or whatever, they don't get to- they don't get to you know throw their weight around and be like, oh, I demand SSH access. They're like, uh, now I got to go to the system so I can do this. They're they're beaten down. They you know they're they're in their places. <laughs> All right, I know. So that would be a, a version of captive users. Way. No, I agree, captive users. But there's always this mode of like, That's let me say this way around this way. Like, a real success would be they prefer it to like, hey, let me just do some SSH keys on my own, right? So the part and the other part I didn't quite get is, but, the, but that's the big boy pants, right? You can't let people just have SSH I, access I'm with you. wandering around like that, right? Yeah, but we know what happens, Matt. We know what happens. Oh, I know we're what happens. We're not. We're happens. not going to. But you know, this I write is... blog posts explaining how to do least privileged <laughs> credentials for somebody, and then they're like, eh, we'll just keep using the admin token. Nah, we're good. We're, we're just going to use. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I bled my heart what? out into this. What is everyone not using super user? Like, what's going on? Exactly. Like, what, what, what? What is this? Yes. What is this pseudo command? Why would I do that? I'm just, I am the super user. Anyway, we'll and, get away and, from and that. And then they complain. <laughs> And then they complain that bad things happen. Like, who could have saw it? Who could have seen this go bad? Oh, wait a minute, everyone. But my question, I did the part I did not get here is what do I have to install? Like, what are on these machines that I'm authenticating to? Like, is there an agent? Like, how complicated is that? 
Because that's always, and because I know they they have this thing and then it's like, and then you just use Terraform, right? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, what exactly do I need to do? That that seems like <laughs> it may be very problem, complicated. Yeah. Where, what, what happens after the underpants? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I did not. Uh, this seems uh, like, a, like there was a lot of hand waving and you're like, I just, it's like use Terraform. And I'm, and I'm like, I, I just, I don't know. That makes me nervous. That may, that may, that seems like maybe it would be complicated. So like hypothetically, someone yeah. hasn't deployed their servers using some Terraform, Terraform approved way. It's like, I think they're now, they got a node outside the network and now we're right back to where we were before. Somebody's getting SSH keys to a server I don't know about because they didn't want to have to go use but, some but, other product. But, but, but the SSH keys are in vault. Right, mm-hmm. so you okay, know they're, they're so controlling. They they're controlling the that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. So the the only question really is like, what's on the clients? <laughs> I like it. I like you say this. Like it's like I like you say it's like oh well, this is all we got to know. I think this is the difference between getting adoption or not. Right. It's like if it's complicated, it's not happening. Or you have to already know how to do all of this, right? You got to be like, like, I think it's the other way. It's like, you're only going to use boundary if you were already doing and provisioning and building stuff this way. Otherwise it is going to be a pain. <sighs> oh man, that's the story of my life. I mean, trying to tell a customer like, all right, we need to, you know, we need to have these fine grained access controls and for your infrastructure's code. And meanwhile, they're like, yeah, I'm not sure about Git. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so you know, um, I've I've had this conversation recently where it's like you you know you're trying to explain the whole like CI/CD and DevOps and you know all these benefits and then you know the people you're talking to they're not scared of c- command line and Git which you know I get it uh, we got another link to about uh, what's wrong with Git a, f- a few words on Git yeah Git it's kind of a terrible experience, but, um, you know, at some point you, you, the ride that they want to be on is, you know, it has a, you must be this tall to ride it. And people who can't get over source control for infrastructure, they're going to have a hard time getting to any sort of, you know, scale that is responsive. So that's my soapbox. On Git. So I do think, you know, obviously having this uh, conversation, not necessarily around some technology, but like there is constantly this tension in every organization of like, hey, we need to talk about the business value of the problems we're solving. Like we've heard this a million times, right? But then there's also the point of like, we need to solve the problem. And in, ver- in order to solve the problem, like it is going to require us to kind of get into the details of it, right? Like at some point we have to get into the details. We actually have to learn something about the technology behind the set scenes to actually solve the problem to deliver the business value. But there's like such a tension, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not like, I'm not here to get involved in uh, the command line or the source code. You're like, well, wait a minute. Like we are, this is a technology problem. Like you need to do it. So I feel like that, the, that there is kind of this oversimplification that the belief that like everything can be summarized to just like one simple uh, business value. And that's all anyone cares about without actually getting into the problem. So I don't know. I, I feel like every day I think about, about how to solve that problem, but I have no answers. Sorry. Right, so here's what I want everyone to do on boundary. I want someone who's actually used it and set it up. I want us to like get in the Slack or, or email us and tell us like, was it easy to set up and are people actually using it? That's what I would like the community it's brand to tell new, me. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Probably, it's brand new. Are the community, the, the people in the Slack were the ones already. They it wasn't even released. They were putting it in the channel. They're like, "Have you seen this?" It's like, "No, we haven't seen this. This hasn't even come out yet." So, so someone is using it. Somebody in the uh, Software Defined Talk Slack has set it up and is using it. And I want them to tell us, does it work? So that's some homework for someone out there. All right, now the second announcement here. This is your wheelhouse, Matt. Uh, Waypoint yes. by Hashi uh, Corp. So one, what is Waypoint for for you know what I'm for once because nobody knows at this point what is Waypoint. Tell us what it is. <laughs> well, again, I'm no expert in it because it came out t- today, right? Uh, I I read through their docs. I watched the video. Um, so Waypoint is a uh, not not a monitoring company bought by BMC. Um, <laughs> Uh, They they didn't get Waypoint IO, so I'm guessing there's probably another Waypoint out there already. Um, But Waypoint is, you know, this is kind of, you know, to me, uh, the nearest thing is is Habitat, which is already kind of esoteric for a lot of people because it does a lot of things. Waypoint is application lifecycle management. Um, It's wrapping your application in a framework to standardize how uh, your application is configured and delivered um, and managed. So, you know, uh, you know, just, just <laughs> it, it's from the outside, it looks a lot like Habitat in the fact that, um, you know, you standardize your packaging and how applications are configured. They've got a bunch of uh, frame, uh, scaffolding for you know different application types and languages so you just say like you know hey here are a couple config things uh it takes the configuration from the environment or the cli uh they have a um a waypoint entry point which is the thing that runs your application for you uh and then it exposes your logs and you know stop start reload that kind of things um i'm It might not all be there yet. It's a 0.1 release. So, you know, uh, some of this may be aspirational, but that's what it kind of looks like. You say, you know, waypoint, entry point, and you run your application. Um, What that does is, you know, handle your application. Um, It can run standalone. Uh, It can run um, or it can talk to a server. And the server still seems a little... Uh, I don't know, like less featureful. Um, I'm not sure what all the servers providing just yet. Like, is it building your packages? You know, like like Habitat. Um, is it uh, you know providing channels, or is it just saying like, hey, here's your package, go? I don't know. Um, or is it just you know you check in with the server to get configuration and updates, and it's up to you to do package distribution. Um, I only read this stuff like an hour ago. <laughs> but like, so, but it's, step back for it, just so everybody else understands. Because I think, you know, containers, right? Everyone talks about building a container, right? That seems to be the, you know, one of the most popular ways. Hey, let's build a container, deploy it, put in the registry yeah, and things yeah. like that. But but the, the, here, like the language, and I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, right? The Habitat language is all about like building the artifact, right? Yes. And that and that means it can be, could be a container, right? Yeah, It yeah, could yeah. be that. But like, what else could it be? Like, what what other artifacts? Because that's the part I think is a little nuanced. Is like, it's giving you more options here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and they they don't paint themselves into a corner. Um, you know, they talk about Helm, but also about like Heroku and Kubernetes. So there's still 
I didn't see anything about it working on anything besides Linux. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's written to go. It, it's probably, you know, it, it's again, it's, it's brand new. So let's not uh, project too much onto it, but um, probably uh, you could run other applications with it. Uh, it'll have, you know, probably eventually if it doesn't already have like a system D integration. So you could tell system D, Hey, I'm running this application for you. You know, you can system D, schedule it but i'll manage the life cycle for you and uh you know it's it, i think it's a pretty good idea um things that uh you know i i am super pedantic when it comes to infrastructure as code uh i didn't see a lot of stuff about versioning and you know tracing but i'm sure you know you don't want to scare people with the deep end of the pool but i'm sure that's there somewhere um, but yeah, it's it's application lifecycle management and standardizing the packaging of your life your applications. I don't I don't see the build stuff that Habitat has, you know. Uh, but again, um, that's you know that that's a uh, uh, you know there's not a lot of other things like this, um, and so probably the easy thing is like let's just target Docker files. You know, let's make the Docker lifecycle, uh, the you know the container lifecycle more manageable, and that other stuff will come. So they you know they compare themselves to Helm and Heroku and and you know Kubernetes and they're they're like, hey, Kubernetes is still going to run your app, you know your application platform, you know your pods. We're just here to manage the apps, um, and that's that's a good thing to do. You know, there's it's such a tire fire of different choices for how to do that, um, you know. I know from experience that there's a lot of value here. Well, that's my question, I guess, going forward is like, is it the case that like there is a place for like a more generic one of these or is it like, hey, the world's just, you know what, all we really care about in the future is just building containers. Well, like we know all this I'm, other stuff. It's like, yeah, it's nice to talk about, but that's really not where we're going. Like, is everyone else going to go learn all this? Or is it like, oh, we're just good enough for containers. That's my question, I guess. It's just a open. Well, I mean, most of, you know, these hashes products and other, you know, infrastructure as code type products are for people who have started to experience growing pains, right? You can get by if you have one application, you don't have to care about standardizing application deployments, right? If, if you, you know, if, if you are a tiny startup and you only do like two things, who cares? You know, you might not need a framework, but as you start to get into you know, the space of people who pay for software, <laughs> I, you know, read enterprise. That's, uh, that's the enterprise for everyone listening. At home. Yeah. The enterprise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The enterprise. It's like, this is actually this, this gets to the operators who have more than, you know, two applications to manage. And, you know, then they can go to their teams and say, Hey, uh, there's a standardized way of running our apps. You know, I know that you like what you're doing, but Hey, if we do this, uh, you know, the three or four, or, you know, thousand teams that are building containers, this will make it so our operators can at least standardize your logging and, you know, handle roll, you know, rollouts in a, in a sane, repeatable fashion. Um, because you have to start instilling some sort of uh, rigor to these things or, you know, you get to where we are today with some enterprises where they have, you know, thousands of applications that were deployed by hand and they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and some are running and, Windows 2003, Windows NT. Yes. One yes. Time, uh, and, some of that, so, 
Yeah. And then the auditors come and yeah, everybody, you know, not a good meeting. And those guys make a lot of money <laughs> and you pay fines. And- All right. So you're right. So I think you've, you've kind of talked me back here. So, you know, to your original point, you got like one or two applications, whatever, do whatever you want. Like, it doesn't matter. Just do it simple. You got hundreds, thousands of applications. This is probably the kind of thing for you to start bringing in all the different applications and start uh, standardizing. So where I was critical before of the artifact, maybe that's the place. It's got a bunch of legacy applications. You can't, you know, they aren't going to be suitable for containers or not going to run in containers for a long time. That's fine. You can create some type of other artifact that can run just on EC2 as I describe here. So that would make sense, right? We're going to standardize all of that. Now I will say it does seem like a tremendous amount of work as I think about like our good friends in the enterprise, which are always like large insurance companies, large financial institutions, uh, hey, large travel companies. You're like, those people have large, large pocketbooks. That's true. They have a lot of money. <laughs> Sometimes they have a lot of money and they do have a lot of staff. So maybe that, maybe it would be, but like you could see going through and like really embracing this at a large enterprise, it, it would take some time, but it would, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think you probably see even more than I do, Matt, where it's like, it would be great to go into some place where someone's like, yep, we are. This is the standard. This is where we're putting all the artifacts. This is how you can rebuild everything. Um, we thought ahead 10 years ago or 10 years from now, this, app, this small application that is really important, you know what, at least we did this so that we can migrate it successfully to some other platform. Um, whereas often the case is like, nobody knows what the application was written in. There's no source code. There's just yeah. like one server running it. We can't touch that server. It's on an old version of windows. So, I mean, I guess it is one of those things. Like if you did it right, it's like compounding interest. Like you're only going to see the value if you start at some point and wait 10 plus years. So that's maybe the hard part of making the case here that you should do it, but it would pay off if you, if you put in the time. Well, and, and my, my experience from, you know, uh, the enterprise and, and uh, APAC enterprises are different from North America, Europe enterprises um, is if, if this waypoint IO docs, if it still only has Docker uh, or, you know, Docker Kubernetes and Nomad uh, examples in a year, um, then it's, it won't be for the enterprise. True. and and, you know it's fine to launch with that right but you know i don't have customers using kubernetes i I have you know i i have customers who are air gapped in data centers on vmware (laughs) and you know uh you know i i have very few who are you know they're they're dipping their toes in public cloud but you know the i have i have one customer i would call cloud native yeah, that and is, I have that's a probably, lot of customers, right? No, I agree, and I think that is. I think you know, cloud native today, especially on the large enterprise, that it's an aspiration. It is not. It is by no means the common case. Well, right? it's it's not the common case, and and yeah. so if like if you want to crack the enterprise nut, you 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 know, the cool kids into the sphere is you know the Docker Kubernetes Nomad, but you know the the <laughs> the real money in the enterprise is all the nasty stuff. It's true. Real money in the enterprise is going to Tanzu. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that's true. But like, they got a they got an inside track. They got all a, the more every day. I learn more and more about people using VMware. I'm like, man, this is a really popular product. You know, this just in, Matt. I'm like, this VMware gonna go somewhere. This VMware, it could be a big thing. You know, that's uh, that's really. all right. Well, hey, Matt, let's close out on let's cut uh, some happy news. So I think we've talked about acquisitions that maybe don't always go the way people want to go, but Twilio 
bought Segment. Yeah. So Segment, long story short, we don't know that much about Segment. We know even less about Segment <laughs> than we know about everything else. But we they know, know it's basically... Like three point, yeah, a couple billion dollars. Yeah, so they're worth $3 billion. Congratulations to them. I would call them like a basically a consumer customer identity store, which uh, they have a lot of products to basically pull together, you know, if you will, audiences and customer segments and do yeah, lots of yeah. targeting. And it looks cool, actually. I segment actually have, them. Yeah, segment them. There you go. They thought ahead in the name. It looks like it actually looks like an interesting product. I don't know it inside and out, but they do a lot of things that it sounds like you can do with mobile and things like that. And of course, Twilio, sponsor of Software Defined Talk, not this week, but in the past. That in itself, we all like. I like Twilio. I've always liked it. Great way to send SMS messages and do a bunch of other stuff. Did an interview yeah. with the Twilio person a few weeks ago, so go listen to that. But that's a long lead up to like what was really exciting about this is that segment the company looks like they thought ahead through the acquisition. So they did some unusual things here first for the customers. Uh, I'm sorry for the employees rather when they, you, you got shares in a segment, you did not have to exercise them before you, uh, if you wanted to leave to go somewhere else. So normally it's like you get the shares and if you leave the company, you're forced to like make some choice. So you have to write a check to like cash out your options and keep them it causes some tax consequences usually, but more importantly, like you have no idea what these things are going to be worth. In case right. of segment, what they did was they basically just let you keep them. So, like when you left, if you had options, the options were good. I don't know if they what was it like ten years or something like that, I mean, which is pretty, plenty of time. Yeah, it's a right? pretty generous time frame. So it wasn't like because normally it's ninety days, right? And of course it's ninety days, and no one tells you it's ninety days, and they make it not difficult, I should say. But you have to ask lots of questions on how to exercise. Well, and, typically, and, and you know you're you're changing companies, and oh by the way, you need to you know cut a check for you know. Tens of thousands of dollars of, yeah. you know, who, who knows, you know. Who yeah, knows, and, and, uh, yeah, the point you're making is like you may just not even have the money. I mean, more importantly, right, especially if you're really early, you may just not have the, enough money to exercise your options. Although yeah. there's a little trick sometimes. Hey, when you join your company, sometimes they let you exercise in advance. So there you go. That way you don't – that way you avoid the tax consequences. So there you go. That's a little – segment next time you go to your startup see if they'll let you exercise the day you start because that way the, there will be no tax consequences but putting that aside congratulations to the people at segment because they basically let all the employees keep it so i think it's um someone else said it was very forward thinking which i think it is but it also shows a lot of confidence in your company because i think what people are often doing right is they they know like and i don't know what the exact tenure at software companies is uh, today, but it's usually a couple years. I mean, it's not, it's usually not four years, certainly usually not 10 years. Uh, although people have done that. Uh, so one, I think they're, they're saying to you, like, really, you should count it as part of your compensation. Like you're going to be able to keep it. Cause I think most of the times I think companies know that, Oh, well, we'll just grant these options, but they're going to return to the option pool without anyone actually exercising it. So yeah, I thought that was yeah, really I, exciting. I mean, what, what's, and what's sad is like, you know, I've, across a couple of different startups or whatever I, I've, I've interviewed people and, and hired and I've always told people like, look, options are not what you need to build your future on. You need to, you know, negotiate yourself a better salary uh, than rather than count on, you know, potentially making, you know, some windfall uh, because, you know, your startup uh, is going to, you know, do so great. And what's, what's nice about this is, um, not only do, you know, hey, employees can, you know, potentially people who've come and gone can still potentially make money, you know, years down the road. It's this is a real opportunity for wealth. I mean, I know I know you and I have probably bought options at companies that uh, have not performed. 
<laughs> yes, unfortunately yeah. true. Yes. And and you know, it's just like, well, uh you know, when you have this opportunity, all those people who were kind of on the fence can sit and wait and learn, you know, oh, you know, it's actually worthwhile. And so not only will the founders make money, but the whole, you know, all the all the employees have a better a better opportunity to make money. And you know, that's the sort of company that uh I guess is doing it right. You know, so I, I linked in the show notes to uh, there's a, a GitHub repo that has a list of companies with extended exercise windows like this. So check that out. Yeah, it's probably a good place to uh, check out for your next job. And I guess the other thing that was notable about it, I don't know why Combinator, you know, I know about it, of course, like everyone. Uh, but I guess it was the largest acquisition by a large margin is what people said. So I guess the people at Y Combinator are probably very happy as well. And I'm sure no doubt because it is a Y Combinator company that a lot of these people go out to at least be angel investors in future Y Combinator's companies, which is always good. So kind of, if you will, seed, to your earlier point, seeding the the next set of entrepreneurs with uh, some angel investors that made money at YC. So congratulations for them. So good. It's always good to like hear about people being successful. That's That's fantastic. And actually sharing the success. So, all right. Let's see here, Matt. Um, we've got a couple conferences. So QCon, CubeCon is coming up on uh, November 17th through the 20th. Uh, there's also one of our friends over at IBM, Dan. He wants you to go to the OpenShift Commons Gathering. I think that is that is also virtual. That's November 17th. And then uh, the DevOps World Sessions are out there. So if you didn't, if you missed it, just go watch the sessions, right? So they're all, there all there and, you know, you can just learn about everything. Uh, Links little in bit, the show notes. Links, of course, in the show notes. And then, of course, a little bit of uh, listener feedback. I uh, did not send any stickers this week. I, I let everyone down. Don't worry. If you want a sticker, all you have to do is email me at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Send me your postal address. I will send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Now, I know some people are looking for jobs. So, Dan, what did he do? This is what he did, Matt. Let me tell you. He went out to the Software Defined Talk Slack channel in the jobs. You know, believe it or not, you know, never going to guess what the jobs channel is for. It's for posting jobs. He posted a job, and he wants you to work at IBM. He actually posted several jobs, so I just linked to one. Looks like they want you to uh, maybe do some product marketing for PaaS, and there's like a couple other jobs in there. So if you're looking for some kind of product marketing job, if you join the Slack channel, and you, um, Slack Dan, I bet you he'll tell you all um, kinds of good things about IBM and why you should work there. So check that out. All right, Matt. Now, with all that said, and we already heard about your special – uh, iPhone non-pick. We're going to learn about your computer <laughs> next week. But next week. in the meantime, what is your pick this week? What is your recommendation? Uh, so I have a, a pair of podcasts uh, that are very, very different from each other. Um, the first is a uh, podcast that I, I don't actually subscribe to. The link was sent to me because it's it's kind of in my wheelhouse. A uh, podcast called This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. Wow. And uh, it rolls right yeah. off the tongue there. Okay, it rolls right off the tongue. Uh, apparently, they've uh, they've got three seasons, or they're up to their third season. Um, and uh, I was mocked <laughs> uh, for bringing this up with my wife, but uh, Weird Al Yankovic was the guest. Really? And uh, you know, I'm actually not like a Weird Al Yankovic fan. Uh, sorry, um, but. His choice for you know um, his choice for this particular album is very very important to me is Devo's Freedom of Choice, which is an album that is very important to me, and uh, it's it was very good. Um, he talks about you know his background as a college radio DJ, and uh, apparently he was an architecture student, um, 
and just you know this album uh you know his experiences you know knowing the band devo and various people in it um really good uh you know i i actually uh enjoyed it uh, quite a lot um i learned that uh al yankovic uh does not play other instruments besides the um accordion but uh probably could could pick up some some more musical instruments if necessary because he you know he's got the the chops for the the theory so uh anyway it, it was actually uh, really interesting and uh you don't have to be a, an al yankovic fan to enjoy it uh you probably need to be a devo fan um i looked at the other uh episodes not much else i want to listen to <laughs> <laughs> I like so i'm not subscribing but i'll, I'll no, check I like it i like the one time. episode podcast yeah, it's like just yeah. listen to this one thing don't but, listen you don't... Know, but but go through their list it's it's yeah. a lot of you know it's mostly actors uh mostly mm-hmm. actors um and you know comedians and stuff friends of the the hosts uh who one of them is or i guess they're in stand-up maybe uh but uh i enjoy it i enjoyed it and uh i enjoy that and then the other one uh is uh radio lab um obviously uh we probably mentioned radio lab uh before uh they had an episode called no special duty um which i don't know came out like two weeks ago and it talks about uh legally what police are there for and uh kind of blew my mind um police don't actually have any reason to do anything (laughs) (laughs) oh sorry i spoiled the whole episode (laughs) great matt you've ruined it all yes uh it just kind of blew my mind um just you know police uh they can do whatever they want or not Mm-hmm. All right, which yeah. so Radio Lab or, or whatever. Yeah, lo- I listen. I'm a huge fan of Radio Lab in general. I would say you know, um, probably like the production value that they do is very similar to this podcast. You know, their sound effects. Um, we actually taught. Uh, I think it's Jad. Ab- What's his name? Jad. We actually taught him a lot about how to mix podcasts, how to work in sound effects. It's, it's like like when I listen to this, sometimes I'm like, is this Radio Lab or? Or is a software-defined talk? Like, a lot of people get confused with that. But don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, it's. I think it's the most well-produced podcast ever made. I'm like, I don't yeah. even know how long it must take them. As someone that edits podcasts poorly, I can't imagine how long it takes someone that knows how to edit podcasts well. I mean, I mean, this is like, it's incredible. Even their ad reads, I'm like, I'm in awe of everything about them. So one day, I hope to be as good as uh, as Radio Lab. That won't happen, but, you know, we, we can hope. <laughs> All right, so those are some good picks, Matt. Uh, thanks, as always. So first, I'm going to uh, – my recommendations. First, I'm going to recommend uh, basically us and then myself. So I've done a couple uh, software-defined talk interviews lately, so I want you everyone to go listen to them. I want you to tell me if they're good or bad. So last week I had uh, – or maybe I guess it was this week I had a good friend of the show, JJ, on. We had a good discussion about lots of stuff there, so you should listen to that one. JJ's got his own podcast. I won't mention it here. I, I'm going to say it's sort of loosely affiliated with Software Defined Talk, but go listen to the, the whole episode. And it's you, you can get, that's right. It's part of uh, the Cotang Network of Podcasts. So you should listen to that one. And then before that, I interviewed a high school student. It was the, I, I thought like the most accomplished high school student I had talked to like ever, Arnoff. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it. He's certainly a super smart kid. I think he's going to go on to do like phenomenal things. Kind of made me feel bad about like not doing more in high school. But, yeah, you thanks know, for that. Yeah, it was a good feeling. <laughs> but it was good to see. I, I like the energy of the young people. It's like, oh, man, he's going to go on and do something great. So listen to it. Those are uplifting. Um, but my recommendation, I don't know, man. I think I'm wondering if you recommended this before. Yes. Uh, Three Body Problem. Have you read this book? 
Absolutely. Okay. Yes. I, I, was... I, I finally, finally, Brandon is 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 up on one of my recommendations. It was. I was. I was like, I think Matt recommended this, which often means I've read some other Matt's books, and it's like, I don't know. They're they're not all like. <laughs> We have, let me just say we have different tastes in literature, but the three body problem loved it. I was like, this is phenomenal. So, uh, I don't know. Like, how do we even describe it? Science fiction, but it's not like yeah. two science. It's not like aliens come to the earth and attack. Right. It's like, it's but more it like is. a, well, it is, but in a fun, a different way. Like, I don't know. I wanted to give it more than like, it's not like your classic, like film where they're like attack. I don't know. I, I want to, I'm not doing it justice. It's done in a really thoughtful way. Yep. I think. It, it it won a bunch of awards. It's you know it's well deserving of praise. Just go read it. Don't yeah, you don't need it. to. Well, the other it. thing I learned about have it. You so, re- are, are you only you only did the first book? I'm you going all through. I'm not read. through the second and third yet. I'm I'm the second. I, I think the second is my favorite. Okay, well I'm I'm on that. And of course, a couple of disclaimers. Every time I'm talking about a book, it means it's an audio book. So that's what the way I listen to it. It was fantastic. <laughs> but the other thing that I am just incredibly impressed by is this. This won a ton of awards, of course, but it was written in Chinese. And then it was translated, right? Yes. And uh, I just, whoever is able to translate a book, like this kind of book between languages, like I don't even know what's harder, writing the book or translating it. Because I thought the translation was excellent. Like, you know, sometimes you've read stuff that like maybe gets translated and it's like, I don't know, this seem, doesn't seem like it came across the same way. But obviously I, I'll never be able to read the, uh, the original in Chinese. I'm not even going to pretend that I could do that. But I was like, wow, this is incredible. So whoever translated this and whoever has the skills to do that, I was like, it's just phenomenal. So I, I don't know. I don't even know how you get skills to do that. So kudos to everything. Yeah. I'll I'll try to dig it up. There was a, an article about the, uh, like an interview with the translator. He's, he's done a lot of, you know, Chinese translations of science fiction. So uh, I'll, I'll find that. It, it was, it, yes. He kudos was well- to him. Yeah, kudos to him because it's there's some complicated things in there. Like if you know, you needed to know a lot to translate it, so it's good. So yeah, so all in on three body problem. Uh, sorry, it took me so long to finally read Matt's recommendation, but now that I'm in, I'm doubling down on it. Go, go all the way. All right, with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye. And for all the people that think they don't need a wireless, or sorry, a wired USB uh, for conference calls, no, they do. Everyone needs it. That in my world. That would be the rule. You can't get on the conference call unless you have a wired USB with a decent microphone. Otherwise, you're just not allowed in.